Dormammu, we've come to bargain. So, <laughs> nice. welcome to the multiverse of superhero stuff you should know. We are the variants of your usual hosts here to talk about Marvel. This has been the Defender variant, and with me is the butt of Agamotto. <laughs> the butt of Agamotto. He has the eye. <laughs> I am the ass. <laughs> also, I wanted to say we, we're going to try out some new uh, recording techniques. So yes. it might, we, might, we might experience some turbulence this episode and maybe a few after this, but we'll see how it goes. Anyway, I also want to say fuck, fuckity fuck, 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 fuck. Because <laughs> we couldn't cuss on the last episode, man. I, 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 I feel like it wasn't me. I didn't feel like me. <laughs> so we are back. Yes, and there's there's even a tidbit from the last episode I had to cut because of the fact that we were asked to be family friendly. I will put this in the post credits of this one, okay, so that we good. can all have the benefit of that. Because I think uh, even Dan, was, as well, was disappointed that I had to cut it. But I was like, man, we were asked to be family friendly, and there was just no family friendly way for me to share that tidbit. There was just nothing. So it was a pun in Tagalog. So it was like, I felt like maybe we could have kept it in. Anyway, oh, we'll get yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah, the, there, there's that one too. There's that one too, actually. Yeah. There's one I didn't even say in the episode because I'm just oh. like, there's, there's no way I'm going to be able to phrase this. Okay, uh, got but it. But it's along the similar lines. The similar lines, yeah. Uh, but anyway, we are here to discuss a very different hero. We usually talk about, uh, we've been talking about Batman, obviously, because of the Batman. But we're going to talk about a different, intelligent, rich, pale, American guy played by a British actor <laughs> who suffers trauma goes around the world to get training and comes back to the city to be a hero all to a theme song written by Michael Chikino and it's Doctor Strange. Oh, so man. Uh and Doctor to celebrate Strange. the release. Oh hold on. There we go. And to celebrate the release of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, we're going to dive into the unmade script of Doctor Strange co-written by his co-creator Stan Lee himself. Mm-hmm. So this is definitely a little uh kernel from the past. So we haven't seen the new movie as of this recording yet. Hopefully we don't feel as if we've already seen right. it before we end up going to it, the way that uh, spoilers are these days. But you, we are both fans of the first one. Oh, it's great. I feel like it's kind of underrated, weirdly, in a way. You think I, so? I don't, I don't see it in a lot of like top 10 MCU movies. It's usually the, like yeah. Avengers stuff and obviously, you know, Captain America the Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy, but I usually don't see this one in it that much. Or most people are just like, eh, it's all right, but it's just another Marvel origin. But I'm just like, yeah, but it's like one of the best ones. The, the, the like, I remember people talking about uh, it, it, like it had all the same exact beats and formula as Iron Man One, but I mean, I mean that might they might they might have some uh, case for that maybe, mm-hmm. but. At the end of the day, it's it's still such a such a different character. He's it's all about <laughs> magic, and there's <laughs> right, you know, it's it's really trippy. The LSD kind of influence of it, and um, yeah. I mean, he's got an ego like uh, like Tony Stark, but uh, you know, other than that, I mean, I guess the story beats can be similar, but I, I don't know, man. It was pretty different. Yeah. It was different enough for me. Yeah, yeah, same here. And I also love the. I, I think we also love the Eastern part of it that's not really part of the iron man story in the sense of like yes the philosophy or discussion about life with the ancient one and all that stuff and discussion oh, yeah. you know her final monologue about death before she passes away like all that type of stuff you don't get that in the first iron man no so, it's much deeper in that way that's that's true and and, yeah. and like i eat that shit right the fuck yeah 
so <laughs> I so love it's not a surprise. They, uh, we like this. Whenever it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those kind of scenes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, I think um, as well we have a an episode in the backlog about Doctor Strange and the Occult. So check that out, guys, if you haven't already. Uh, we'll put the link in here. But uh, we're going to be covering this attempt to do a Doctor Strange movie way back around 1989. So this is around the time of the Tim Burton, Michael Keaton movie. No idea how they would have put off the effects on this. <laughs> Definitely would have been a lot of um, miniatures, stop motion animation, like that type of stuff uh, right. for what we're about to cover. But this is a second draft dated in 1990, written by Alex Cox, who's the screenwriter of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, wow. And the story credit. Yeah, it's not who I expected to be behind this. Uh, story credit by Alex Cox and Stan Lee. So these two work together. That seems like a weird combination. You've got, you know, Stan Lee, you know, true believers. And <laughs> you got uh, the very British Alex Cox, who teamed up with Terry Gilliam on, um, you know, the Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas movie. So how did the hell right. did this happen? Um, I actually found that Cox does a podcast right now. What? And yeah, uh, he does. So there was a episode specifically about uh, the Marvel movies and Doctor Strange. And there's a fair amount of it that's, you know, kind of sounds like just a bunch of old men complaining about the takeover of Marvel franchise on cinema. But oh, yeah. he, did, he did talk about his time on this. So around this time, it makes a lot of stan sense that Stan Lee wants to get more Marvel movies out there the 80s pretty much has the christopher reeve superman movies and of course batman 89 and stanley wants marvel movies out there in theaters not just you know the the trial of the incredible hulk you know and that type of stuff that's on tv well that stuff is good he wants like in the theaters like cinema and uh he, he doesn't want to uh, hulk wrestling an actual baby bear <laughs> in on screen you ever seen that uh in the old show yeah, I think I did. I think I did. He wrestles yeah. an actual bear. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So uh, he ends up working with the production company American Zotrope, which, for those who don't know, that's headed by George Lucas and one of the major critics of Marvel movies, not Scorsese, but Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, right. So uh, obviously, there's not like a direct uh, role for Lucas and Coppola in Doctor St in this version, of Doctor Strange. So nobody get excited and be like, Coppola almost did Doctor Strange. Like that's not really that what would happened. Been it's incredible. Just, yeah, hi Peanut. So, Peanuts back, everybody. Peanuts come to bargain. Yeah. So <laughs> Stanley decides that uh, you know he wants more Marvel movies, and Cox, who's a screenwriter, Alex Cox decides like, hey, why don't you do Doctor Strange? Because I thought you know I think Doctor Strange is an amazing character and a great world to tap into, and you know, you've got all this magic sorcery, all this type of stuff we haven't really seen that much in the comic book movie outside of, you know, there was a previous Doctor Strange TV pilot uh, in like the 70s, but that was about it. So they wanted to do it for real and they collaborated and Stan Lee's actually writing the script with him while working on the Spider-Man newspaper strip. Okay. And uh, Cox brought up that he thought it was crazy that Lee was focusing so much on the newspaper strip and not enough time on the script with him. Because it's just like, this could lead into like millions of dollars. But he, in hindsight, realized that Stan Lee was actually being really smart because Lee was doing his job for like guaranteed money as opposed to the script, which was on spec. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. So they didn't end up getting paid at all for this. Meanwhile, Lee is, you know, making the money off of the Spider-Man newspaper. So okay. it all makes sense. But anyway, they co-write this. And as we know from history, it doesn't end up getting off the ground. But it is interesting to take a look and see like what could have been 
the Doctor Strange movie of the 90s. So that's yeah, it's awesome, yeah. man. So let's take a look. We open. Uh, so we have a different opening than in the, the MCU movie. Instead of the whole opening where Matt Mickelson is storming the library and fights Tilda Swinton, we actually open at Stonehenge. Oh, that's century. awesome, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's an explanation for Stonehenge. And here it is the the burial site, in a way, for Merlin. So I love it. Six men carrying a dying Merlin the Magician. Yes, the the Merlin, the OG <laughs> wizard. Yes, before the Indeed Wizard, there was the. Oh Merlin. shit! In this movie, Merlin is the Sorcerer Supreme. One, yeah, like the OG one. He that's, he's the first Sorcerer that's Supreme. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So he brings up, you know, my time has come, but I have trained, I have trained you as my successor, and you will have another successor. Like they're just like, well, the darkness is eternal. How do we fight that? He's like, you know, our successors will keep going on and on and on. And he says, quote, the chain is eternal. There is always another. And with that, Merlin's body fades away, Yoda style, gone forever. They've already so, got me. I, yeah. I like it already. It's a great opening. I'm just like, this is an amazing type of thing. And it ties into like what you already know, especially if, like, remember, this is like the 90s. People are like just kind of getting into a little bit of comic book movies, but sort of like one foot in and one foot out because like, Christopher Reeve and the Michael Keaton movie have kind of shown you can do it in a serious way, but other stuff, not so much. So it really depends. Mm -hmm. uh, we then cut to New York City in 1999, the future for them. Futuristic <laughs> yeah, for that's them. right. That's yeah. right. So uh, the, right at the turn of the 21st century, where we meet, where we meet the villain, Byron Mordo. So okay. uh, this is a version of Baron Mordo in the comics. So we know Mordo in the MCU from the MCU movie. He's a fellow more experienced sorcerer who meets Strange when they're under training from the Ancient One. And he kind of goes to the dark side towards the end of the first movie and appears to be an antagonist in the trailers for the new movie. Uh, in the comics, he and Strange are mortal enemies. And so the script sort of continues that, but sort of reimagines Baron Mordo. So his name is Byron Mordo. And he is a corporate energy tycoon who's heavy into nuclear energy in this version. Uh, okay. Still has magic. Still has magic. It's just like it's it's kind of a it's kind of a Norman Osborn Lex Luthor thing where he's just like, you know, by day I am this businessman, but I'm actually a sorcerer type of thing. Uh, so nobody worry that they went all, you know, Lex Luthor on this. He actually does have magic. So he goes to buy out a corporation that's run by this old Asian man. And the dialogue seems to be about a corporate takeover on like, when is this takeover happening? That type of stuff. There seems to be some animosity between them. But if you look at the subtext, they're not really talking about a corporate takeover. Uh, they're talking about something else that's about to come. And that's because this Asian man he's talking to is not just an another businessman. He's talking to the ancient one. So nice in the comics to explain this for those who might only be familiar with the MCU version. Uh, the ancient one in the comics is not bald Tilda Swinton. The ancient one in the comics <laughs> is an old Asian man. Uh, and I, <laughs> you, you would think that Marvel of all people would have known to not whitewash that role. I, mean, I, I really like Tilda Swinton in it. Actually, I thought she was great, but yeah. she's great. I mean, you can speak on this probably more than I can, I guess, but you know, it just feels like, it was like 2017 or something, right? It, they should have already known not to do that, but it, whatever. It's interesting. It's it's like we, I think the explanation is they didn't want to do the cliche of the old wise Asian man, but then instead they completely wrote out the Asian guy's part. And I'm like, well, personally, I think they should have just split the difference, have Michelle Yeoh in the part. <laughs> oh, the Asian yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Just like, just have an old, okay, make it just an old Asian woman. Then. Like, just make that a little different. Then. That would have been um, cool, yeah. 
would have been a better use for her than both Shang-Chi and Guardians too, you know, because she's in both right. in different roles. But right, right, right. You know, this would have been a bigger showcase. But who knows what they'll do with her character in the, the future for those installments. But uh, right. the Ancient One is here. They the This script sticks to the, a lot of the more traditional takes on the characters. So Mordo mm-hmm. is already a villain. The Ancient okay. One is an old Asian guy. And so basically Mordo is actually warning the Ancient One about the coming of his master, the eternal darkness that Merlin was referring to earlier. Okay. So, uh, we then go to Bleecker Street, where Doctor Strange's house is there, just like in the movies. One thing we have to bring up, this script, it seems very apparent once you get to this part in the script, it's not an origin story. They completely skip over the origin. Okay. Strange has Let's... already done his training under the Ancient One. It's almost like Batman 89, where it's just like, let's just get right to it. Yeah, some people just don't like origin stories and, you know, they're not going to write it. So, I mean, I, yeah. I get it, I guess. I think to, I think I figured this out, too, where I'm like, uh, I think that's fine if it's a character like Batman, Superman, or Spider-Man, where it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, we've seen all these different iterations. We kind right, of right, know. right. But when it's Doctor Strange, I'm like, eh, I feel like that's missing, um, which is interesting. I, I think one of the main criticisms for the the 2016 Doctor Strange movie is like, oh, it's another origin story. I'm like, yeah, but I can't, I don't feel like I would have been as attached to the character if we just went, like, it was, he was just immediately the yeah. sorcerer dude, you know? I love the Doctor thing and him, you know, the whole origin of him losing his, you know, use of his hands mostly. Uh, I, I think that's great, man. I, yeah. I love I love that origin story. And, uh, you know, what I think, like, so Doctor Strange is my wife's favorite Marvel movie because mm. it's she loves Harry Potter and she loves like fantasy. Uh, so mm-hmm. like it it's just like a direct uh, through line to to that, right? And she also loved the fact that um that he studies hard. <laughs> <laughs> she loved the like him in the library studying the books. Like yeah. and we wouldn't have had that if that was uh you know, if the in, if the origin was taken out basically. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people were just like, "Oh, it's another Marvel origin," but I'm just like, "Yeah, like I don't, I don't really see, I don't really see a better way, honestly." And and this is this script is kind of an alternative of like, "Well, what if they didn't do that? What if it just started with him?" And so uh, we can cover whether or not that was the right approach when we you know go further with this. But mm-hmm. we get to Bleecker Street, and a group of four henchmen are trying to break into Doctor Strange's house to steal a book which seems like a bad idea considering what's in Dr. Strange's house because a spell basically protects <laughs> protects the house and ends up sending them right back outside. Okay. Uh, which is cool. This break-in attempt, of course, is noticed by the man running the house. Not Dr. Strange yet, but Wong. So Nice, nice. Uh, another thing to remember, Wong is different in the comics and in the script. In the MCU, he was a librarian who's like another experienced sorcerer, and he kind of has this buddy cop dynamic with Strange. Um, throughout Doctor Strange and the rest of the movies. In the original comics, though, he was Doctor Strange's servant who speaks broken English, and that's the version that we get here in the script. Okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, we do meet Doctor Strange in a very different way than we do in the <laughs> MCU movie. So instead of the origin story, so for if if you complained that there was an origin story for the in the MCU for Doctor Strange, this is the script for you, because in this version, Doctor Strange is on TV sharing his story with Oprah. 
how he became Dr. Strange. <laughs> he just <laughs> he's getting it out that way. That's how they. Uh, that's the exposition right there, man. Yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, I understand man. you got into a car accident, like all this type of stuff is like in the interview. I'm like, um. I'm like that dude you described who watched The Last Jedi where I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I guess okay. this is one way to get out of it. But I'm, okay, you completely skip over this guy losing what he spent, you know, what he thought his whole life's purpose was. And now it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm already a sorcerer, dude. And I'm a, I'm a hit writer. And and uh, people turn to me when it comes to the occult. I'm like, uh, okay. Uh <laughs> He's also debunking someone who claims to be in communication with the ghost of Ivan the Terrible, where they're just like, I speak to Ivan. And then Dr. Strange is like, do you speak Russian? And they're like, no. And then he's like, well, Ivan the Terrible didn't speak English, so I don't know how he can be talking to him. And so he just debunks <laughs> the guy on the air. Um, so that's kind of the intro to Dr. Strange. It feels really weird to me. Not good. Uh, Needs a rewrite. <laughs> just <laughs> take on Oprah, man. We need Maybe a, we if, should if do an origin a- story. <laughs> If you're not going to have an intro to him, do a do a James Bond intro with magic, okay? Yeah. Just have him open in the middle of casting a spell. Boom, that's your intro. Just get right to it if you don't want to cover everything before that. And then you bring it up yeah. here and there like you did with the Batman. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, so, I yeah, it just wasn't the best uh, decision here. I don't know why it's not just him defending the house when the guys break it. Like, that seems like such an easy thing where it's just like, <laughs> yeah, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the standard thing. These henchmen are breaking into a rich guy's house. And then suddenly it's just like everything turns upside down and it's Doctor Strange and he's like throwing spells at them. And then they're throwing spells back at him. And you're just like, whoa, what the hell is this? Like, it's all it would be a hell of a dream throw to it. But instead, it's just kind of just a silly like, oh, like these thugs didn't really know what they were doing and they get thrown out and Dr. Strange is on a talk show. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. So, that That's a definite rewrite before you start shooting <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So at the talk show, Strange does get con- basically confronted by a woman named Tanya who wants to talk to him. She wants to talk to him about her dreams and Strange is just basically turning her down, tells her to go see a shrink and leaves because he feels like that's a waste of time, but she is going to be an important character later on. Uh, Strange gets home and he's visited by the Ancient One who tells Strange that Mordo is back. Byron Mordo is back and he's the conduit for the Eternal Darkness who of course is, for those who might not have guessed already, Dormammu. So, mm-hmm. we of course remember Dormammu from the ending of the first one as the giant floating head voiced by an uncredited Benedict Cumberbatch. That's interesting casting to have the basically the same actor who does the hero play the villain. You know, I but, never even thought about that. Yeah, I've only seen the movie once, actually, but I really did enjoy it, and I loved how it was a mind game win. You know, it wasn't. Oh yeah, a it's it's one of the best fight. third acts of the MCU, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's such not, a solid really movie. A fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so well done. Uh, in the comics, we have the comic version of Darmamu on the right, where he has sort of his head on fire. Um, <laughs> I, lo- I love that man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, this does get referenced later on, so that's also why I brought this up. So the overall idea, according to Alex Cox on the script, is that the movie would kind of have an environmental message where Mordo is like this nuclear energy tycoon and Dormammu is actually behind him. And Dormammu is the reason behind global warming and all the pollution in the world as a way to slowly turn the Earth into hell. Oh, man, this is just before Captain Planet, probably, too. Yeah. So I'm just like, "Eh, I don't know if this is this really fits. I get the intention behind it, but it's it's. 
it, I don't know. It's weird. And honestly, I didn't really get that vibe at all until I listened to the podcast. And he's like, we had an environmental message and everything. I'm like, you did? It feels forced because it's, you know, it's more about magic, right? It's just, if it was a little bit it more of a science-based character. It totally makes sense. Yeah. Well, Captain Planet's like its whole deal. But I mean, like, uh, if it was, you know, Submariner or, uh, you know. Yeah somebody else you know just either one of those aquaman it's it it lends itself so naturally Mm -hmm. uh but but this is um you know i i have i personally you know i try to have environmentalist values and stuff in my in my real life so i'm for i'm for that movement but uh you know i i don't know if i want it part of a doctor strange story (laughs) it seems like it's out of place in this yeah 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 uh so strange knows that dormammu is coming thanks to mordo and it does look like he has a previous history with Mordo. They both used to be students of the Ancient One, but Mordo went off his own path, and that's it. We don't actually... There's no flashbacks of them having used to be friends, really, uh, except for, like, one shot. That's kind of a flashback, and that's about it. Like, there's not really a lot to their relationship in this, unfortunately. So uh, Strange decides he's going to visit Mordo in his own unique way, so he meditates in the Sanctum Centaurum, but uses his astral form to go visit Mordo at his corporate office, uh, which sounds like <laughs> this is a hell of a sentence to say in a Doctor Strange movie. But he visits this corporate office where uh, Mordo is talking to the goons who failed to break into Strange's house, and they're actually revealed to not be regular humans, but they're actually four demons, which is pretty fucking cool, except they, it, they seemed kind of incompetent earlier on, but I'm just like, well, that would have been like a lot cooler to show, but uh, we have Beelzebub, Asmodeus, Moloch, and Baal as the uh, the four demons. Baal, B A L, B A L, yeah, yeah. These are all uh, maybe well, a lot of them are from the Bible. These are, are yeah. yeah, yeah, and then taken into Doctor Strange comics as uh, different like demon antagonist mm-hmm. for him. So they are drawing off the comics, of course, because Stanley is co-writing this. So yeah. I, I can't imagine any other way. They're probably in the Torah too. Uh, it's that they're all like Old Testament. I mean, I don't know. I've I grew up uh, Methodist, everybody, so I don't uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what exactly is in the Torah. But I'm you know, there's probably you know, I'm just saying that because of Stanley uh, Jewish. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? That's true. that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember if Ditko because Steve Ditko is the other one who worked on Doctor Strange. I don't remember Did, if he's Jewish too. Ditko, I think he is. Correct us in the comments, but I think yeah. probably is. But so I listened to uh, this is going to be a shout out to a much bigger podcast than us, but Wizard and the Bruiser today, actually, on, on their episode of Doctor Strange. It's a really good one, too. Um, listen to that one after this one, everybody. But uh, they were saying that um, Doctor Strange feels a little bit more like Ditko than Stan Lee because Doctor Strange isn't a sassy he's not um he's not quippy he's uh you know he's kind of missing a little bit of that stan lee juice ah so he's he's more of a a man of consequence (laughs) you know (laughs) so uh, so uh it's maybe possibly more of a ditko creation Mm. yeah i could see that yeah um so these four demons are there, and, and Mordo communicates with Dormammu on the other side, as Dormammu's in the dark dimension. And uh, Dormammu is like, you fool, Doctor Strange is right there in astral form. So I guess Strange gets outed immediately uh, <laughs> by Dormammu. And we have our first fight as the demons all go into astral forms themselves, 
to fight the astral Doctor Strange. So we have this basically this astral battle around this uh, office building, and uh, Strange splits himself into a thousand Doctor Stranges to escape and sort of trick them as he makes his escape. And uh, during the chase, he coincidentally winds up at the home of Tanya, the woman with the bad dreams. And okay. um, she has a handful of pills in her hand to try to escape from these constant dreams she's been having. And it's the astral version of Strange who stops her from committing suicide, basically quipping that the pills that she has will not be enough to kill her. In fact, all they'll do is just make her feel really, really bad. So she ends up just tossing them out while also wondering what the hell she just saw since this is astral Strange who's talking to her. And somehow right. she can see him. So She has the, uh, she has the juice, man. She, she has... has some- she has his Stanley juice. She has the Stanley juice. Yeah. <laughs> She's so, the sassy one. Stanley yeah, wrote her. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, so the next day, uh, Tanya actually visits Strange at Bleecker Street. And as a gift, she randomly gifts him Link Ray's Falling Rain, a record that he was interested in getting in a previous scene. However, Link uh, Ray is like a surf rock man, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Did you listen to this? I didn't listen to it while I was reading the script. I probably should have. I think uh, it's I think it's Surf Rock, which is <laughs> he looks Native American. Is this a Native American? <laughs> like he a, looks um, it. He's dressed as one. I don't know if he or, is, um, but he looks like he's dressed as one on the cover. First Nations people, Indigenous. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, the whole idea is she had no way of knowing he wanted this record. She just kind of out of the blue thought, uh, like I'll bring this as like a gift to get my way in. And so Strange is like already wondering what's going on with this one. She can see me in my astral form. She kind of knew that I wanted this record. Like what's going on here? And she knows the name Dormammu. Okay. And he asks her why. And she's like, well, that's why I keep trying to talk to you. He's who I see in my dreams. Okay. So uh, that explains why she's been trying to get to reach him. So Strange kind of gives the explanation about Dormammu. He's from the dark dimension, seeks to destroy all life here on earth, is responsible for a lot of, type of shit basically wants hell on earth standard stuff you would expect from the guy who's basically the devil on this and uh, (laughs) Wong and Strange have Tanya recount her dream which shows events that are playing out in real time so she kind of has these precognitive precognitive dreams kind of like the you know the women in the sisters in minority report that Mm -hmm. type of thing so uh, what she saw that's now happening is the ancient one saving a family from a group of soldiers but the soldiers are actually the demons in disguise and the demon Moloch ends up mortally wounding the ancient one. So strange goes in astral form to the ancient one who declares that he strange will be his successor. Strange doesn't think he can do it. And the ancient one says he only has two pupils, him and Mordo. And he says, would you have Mordo be Supreme sorcerer of earth? And then the ancient one dies, leaving it up to strange to stop Mordo. This I got is a solid say, script so far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty much moving things along, and now like his mentor is dead, and uh, yeah, he's got to now stop Mordo from bringing Dormammu to Earth. This is so, the point at which we're solidly in the second act. Would you say? I would say so. Yeah, right when he dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so far, you like this? I think it's pretty good for what it is. I think that. I mean, the environmentalist thing is looking at it now. It's kind of silly, but him going to Mordo's office, <laughs> I think that is him writing to budget. They yeah, he yeah, probably so. knew they weren't. They're not going to make a practice because back in '89, they're, yeah, they're not going to. They're probably not going to make that set. They can yeah. make, um, you know, four demons. They can do camera tricks to to um, turn Doctor Strange into multiple man. 
You know, they mm. can do all that. That can be within budget, but to create that whole, you know, hellscape set, that's not going to happen. So I, I kind of get why they wrote uh, it as an office. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, I, I think it's 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 solid so far. Maybe it'll get like way silly in a minute, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's going to. But, uh, you know, it's it's kind of kind of good so far for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I think the downside, honestly, to me is without the origin or with you know, familiarity with the characters like you would have with a Batman or Superman or Spider-Man movie. It, it, it's, I could see audiences are mainly there for the sorcery, but might not really feel like they know the characters. So it's kind of right. like, it's a cool introduction to them, but they might not really get like what makes these characters tick. They just kind of like the right. world. So right, right, right. That's, that's what I, that's kind of the vibe that I got overall from this but with the ancient one dead and mordo bringing dormammu to earth strange is up against basically his toughest challenge as a sorcerer and we'll find out what happens to him after the break damn no we did that one too gorgo gamera we're talking about gamera from turtles to medieval samurai golems on our new series demolition die only on the hyperx podcast network ellen in 15 seconds what is nice games club it's our game dev podcast. Steven, help! Game mechanics, accessibility, art and animation, level design, prototyping. Everything that goes into making video games. How's that, Mark? Nice. Listen to Nice Games Club wherever you get your podcasts or at nicegames.club. Lord have mercy, y'all. Do you like hounds? Do you enjoy pooches? Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. As you might have heard... Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. And we're back. So, thankfully, Dormammu did not mess around with our ads there. Uh, so we are going to... Uh, <laughs> that evil fiend. Oh, wait. He's not part of this universe. <laughs> so uh, let's go into it. So uh, pretty much what we have is uh, the second half here. And uh, the Ancient One is dead and Strange is mourning for his mentor. Uh, but Mordo's next step is to eliminate threats uh so he's taken out the ancient one now he's going to go after strange and to do this he has his demons call the cops on strange i shit you not <laughs> this demons is call the one. cops yes this is okay uh but yeah so the oprah one and this <laughs> and this beat here i forgot to mention that earlier yeah that's uh not uh, not good it's literally a demon in a phone. Well, I mean, they're in disguise, but it's a demon in a phone booth calling off. Like, I think I found something about the Doctor Strange. And I'm they like, could have played this humorously, I guess. This is different, yeah. So the cops arrive to arrest Strange on reports that he might be behind the serial killings in the neighborhood, which I'm just like, wait, there's a serial killer going around in the neighborhood? It's not planted very well, or else I would have remembered at this point in the script. So... uh to protect Strange, Wong puts everyone, including himself, on a you know like a frozen spell. Um, excluded from this are Tanya and Strange. I'm not really sure how he was able to exclude Tanya and Strange and not himself this whole time, but 
I'm not a master of the mystic arts. So uh, <laughs> basically back ton- to the library yeah. to study, man. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't quite uh, graduated out of cabotage, but uh, <laughs> they escape the house, Tanya and Strange. And as they're walking out, Strange steps foot on it. Basically describes that he steps foot on sidewalk that actually isn't there. And he's like, oh, it's a trap. We need to get back into the house. And this is where we get the buildings falling away and the vibe that people compare to Inception, except this is not Inception. This is 1990 before Inception was made. So it's kind of crazy that they had that. Yeah. I'm imagining just miniature, like some, like a lot of special effects are, are part of this part because I'm just like, okay, this would have been insane in 1990. Yeah, definitely. So we start seeing the Bleaker House get further and further away from them as Beelzebub is after them. And so Dr. Strange and Tanya are running. Dr. Strange pulls out his weapon, which is chalk. And he draws a pentagram on the floor around them. And then he uses the eye of Agamotto to send Beelzebub back to where it came from. Dude, Uh, the amount of backlash for the pentagram alone, (laughs) especially in 1990 or before, would have been insane. I hadn't thought about that, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Apparently, it started out as like an ancient Jewish symbol, and it's in it's in like old churches. It doesn't always refer to evil pagan shit or whatever. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, it's definitely taken that in you know nuance in recent years for sure. Yeah, yeah. And this version is to protect him and Tanya. They have to be inside the pentagram for him to to use the eye to send uh, the demon back. Yeah. So it all works, you know. Uh, so they then go back and uh, they take off as the cops are suspecting Strange of these murders that weren't really planted. And uh, the demons have framed him. So he and Tanya hop on a bullet train that exists in 1999 that goes from New York to L.A. I really wish this existed. Oh, man, it really should. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they're on this uh, they're on this train and that's where we get some downtime in the script. So Tanya dreams of Dorbamu's plans to return and it involves rocks that are said to have human faces, so they have to find... They're going to Mount Rushmore? (laughs) You know what? (laughs) That would have been funny, but that's actually not in the script. Uh, (laughs) So she... Mount Rushmore, Mordo, that's where I want to return, (laughs) Sister Mamu. We're going to... (laughs) I saw the Native American on the Link Ray album, and it made me think, we should go blow the fuck up, blow Mount Rushmore the fuck up, and return it to its rightful... form <laughs> Dormammu <laughs> so she and Strange hop out of the train and they find the rocks they're trying to basically locate the rocks from these dreams so they figure Utah is a good bet and they hitchhike with a Native American man named Benny who thinks that oh you're talking about rocks maybe you're referring to the Valley of the Gods okay. so we get something that we didn't get in the Doctor Strange movie which is uh, Strange and Tanya in the middle of Utah so like very different surroundings at this point they than, smoke uh, peyote or something. Uh, it's not in here, but that's that's the vibe that we got from this. So <laughs> okay, this is their uh, <laughs> LSD sequence, like that in the first movie. Yeah, uh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Okay, so, okay. Uh, the demons locate Strange and Tanya at the Valley of the Gods, and Mordo orders kill the woman first because she's the one who's dreaming of all the the stuff that can lead Strange over to uh, basically to to Dormammu and their plan. So the demons end up going, and they they uh, find that Benny. Uh, the, uh, the the guy who's basically helping them out is trying to sell these Kachina or Kachina dolls uh, I to don't them. Know. Let so, us know how, that, how those are pronounced yeah, in, the, in but, the comments, please. Yeah, let us know. But uh, these dolls, basically, he's trying to sell them. And this is where stop motion comes in. The demons possess the dolls. 
Okay. And uh, this is where it gets trippy because they they attack Benny and then they kidnap Tanya by strapping her into the car. And then somehow they end up driving the car. I think one doll's at the wheel and another one's on, doing the pedals. I don't know how it works. I, but, I get that they want to include other cultures and people are super into Native American culture and stuff like that. I get it. But it would have been better if it was kind of still in the realm, in my opinion anyway. In, in the realm of like Eastern mysticism or Western mysticism, mysticism, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Um, I, this to me was really cool, but also I'm like, maybe this is better for Dr. Strange too. Right. Three, right. Right. Know, all that type of thing. Let's, let's just, cause it's, otherwise it's just like, there's so many different roles to introduce at once. We've already got to buy into the fact that all this Eastern stuff with Dr. Strange and there's Mordo and there's Darmamo and the ancient one who's been like a mortal or something like there's all these things that you have to buy in like the first 30 minutes or so. Right. Like I get that's how it was in the 2016 one, but it was a lot more, it was a lot more drawn out to make it more accessible. Mm-hmm. So uh, here the dolls are attacking they kidnap Tanya and they try to drive her, you know, basically drive off with her in the car, but strange and astral form sees this and he casts a spell that has cacti actually reach out and literally stop the car. Whoa, uh, that would have been cool. Yeah, yeah. And so he then banishes the demon ball back to where he came from and trapping him in a box that he conjures up and sends him up, flying, launched into the sky like a comet. So that's, that's cool. cool. Uh, Tanya panics at this point. She wants out of this. She didn't sign up for this shit. She was just trying to figure out her dreams. So Strange is like, let me cast this memory spell to make you forget. So this is pre-Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> where right. He's already trying to do this shit. Um, and just like in Spider-Man No Way Home, it goes wrong uh, because she actually thwarts it. Which makes Strange realize Tony doesn't have just have precognitive abilities in her dreams. She has powers like him. She is. Oh, like yeah, him of course. Him. Yeah. yeah. We kind of knew this was coming. Yeah. Uh, Tanya, however, does not accept the call as you would if we were to bring in Joseph Campbell terms. Uh, you know, the, right. there's always that beat where the hero like doesn't want to go on the hero's journey where they're just like, this is ridiculous. I don't want to do this, that type of stuff. So she tries yeah. to go into a bar saloon type place to place a phone call and Strange follows her in. And just like any other 90s script, the bar <laughs> regulars think Strange is a freak because of his cloak and they want to pick a fight with him. Uh we saw this in, in the ni- unmade 90s Hulk script by Jonathan Hensley. The same exact thing happens to Bruce Banner, and he turns into Hulk at this yeah. point. It's, it seems like a common thing that happens. But um, what is cool is Strange brings up that uh, he can't use magic because that'll alert Mordo's demons. Uh, and I'm like, oh, man, does this mean that Strange has to use some like martial arts techniques that he learned in uh, Camertage or stuff like that? The answer is no. <laughs> uh, because there's an old Native American dude who's at the bar who happens to be there and he uses magic to thwart the people attacking them. And oh, I'm like, wait, shit. who's this guy? Because that sounds pretty cool. So That is cool now. Yeah. Actually, he introduced yeah. himself under the name of Joe's Ten Wives. I'm like, um, interesting name. This is not a character in the comics. I looked it up. <laughs> so, <laughs> Joe's Ten Wives tries to help summon the air gods to tell Strange about you know where the location of Dormammu's return could be. And he ends up summoning Quetzalcoatl, the serpent-like god. That's like 30, It says he's 38 feet tall, and he's conjured up in here. So this is the closest that we get to like the them tripping out because they see this. This gets into all kinds of weird cultural stuff. Like you would yeah. have to maybe say that he. <laughs> I mean, this, we're thinking from like our lens now. 
But, you know, it, it can't just be like any Native American at that point. That <laughs> Quetzalcoatl is like specifically from a tribe, I'm assuming, in Mexico. So it's just, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I don't anyway. think Joe's 10 Wives is from Mexico. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so, you know, whatever. Yeah, Whatever. I know, I know, I know. It, this this is where things get really messy because like, uh, Quetzalcoatl brings a, sees Tanya. It's like ah, he recognizes her. He recognizes her. He brings in another culture. He he recognizes her as Nefertiti. Oh man, you the see Egyptian, what I'm talking about? <laughs> the Egyptian queen who is also a sorceress. I'm just like, okay, so wait a minute, just to backtrack. We have Doctor Strange who's been learning stuff in Camertage from the East and stuff. Goes to Utah, meets this Native American dude who conjures up this Mexican indigenous god to identify that Tanya is an Egyptian queen from history. It just so, all makes sense, bro. I'm- yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, Mordo spiritually arrives somehow and uses a bolt of lightning to kill Joe's 10 wives. And I'm like, so this dude just shows up for two minutes and then dies. Just to... he serves one purpose, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like they could have rewritten this. This is this is pretty messy because I'm just like you don't really need this character. You could have had some other way to get that across. But anyway, right? Uh, so Strange decides he's got to hold himself up in a hotel <laughs> with Tanya. This is where I'm just like, okay, this is where the budget is kicking in. Um, so he and Tanya are in the hotel room together, and he encourages her to empty her mind and meditate. So that she can gain control over her own potential and her own powers and stuff. And again, she doesn't want to be a part of this. She refuses. She's the sassy one, as you brought up. <laughs> so uh, Strange is like, so be it. And he goes into astral form. And Tanya is like, well, I'm going to watch TV. And when she turns to the TV screen, Mordo's on the TV screen talking to her. Okay. And Mordo says, that is the stupidest move Strange could ever make, which is going to astral form right now. As the other demons arrive and kidnap her and the unconscious Strange, and they take off in motorcycles that go up into the sky, which I thought was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. So they're going to take basically them to Mordo. But it seems that Strange has done this deliberately, gone into the astral form, and used himself and Tanya as bait. So he's kind of operating astral form to see where they go. And so Tanya arrives... She's delivered to Mordo, and she seems confident that Mordo's in the wrong place. We're in some sort of island. Dormammu's looking for a place where the rocks have human faces. And the demons say, basically, have her turn around and look. And she looks and sees that they're at Easter Island, where the rocks have human faces. Oh, nice. So uh, I thought that was kind of a cool twist. So it's not Mount Rushmore. It's not Mount Rushmore. I'm sorry. Okay. Maybe right. in another rewrite. <laughs> Take out Oprah, bring in Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, an eclipse begins and Mordo starts summoning Dormammu to Easter Island. And then it describes that one of the Easter Island heads rises up with a stone body out of the ground and tears open the sky into the rest of the universe itself to open into the dark dimension. And Dormammu comes forth. That's pretty awesome. That is, yeah. I was like, this is great imagery, honestly. This is great. Uh, so Mordo offers human sacrifices in the form of Tanya and the unconscious Strange, or at least he thinks Strange is unconscious, as Strange's astral form finally meets back with his physical body again, and he kicks into action. So Strange starts banishing the demons around him, so that it's just him, Tanya, Mordo, and Dormammu up above. And when Dormammu says that Strange is too late to stop him, Strange calls upon the spirits of all the previous Sorcerer Supremes, so that includes the Ancient One, Quetzalcoatl, Buddha... <laughs> Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And Merlin himself. 
That's awesome. So they all come back and they all work to banish Dormammu back to the dark dimension. But as Dormammu is being brought back, uh, he has Mordo grab Tanya and he takes both of them into the dark dimension with him as the rip closes. So now Strange is cut off from Tanya. And the ghost of Merlin warns Doctor Strange, you should not follow them. But Strange, being Doctor Strange, decides to follow them anyway. And this goes into the only similarity, I think, between this and the final movie, where Strange goes into the dark dimension for the third act. Dormammu, I've come to bargain. No, that line is not in the script, unfortunately. Uh, But the prose of the script says, quote, the dark dimension cannot be described. It exceeds the maddest nightmares of Dali, Tangi, or Dechiriko. Don't know who that is. Sorry. Uh, The rules of physics don't apply here, nor do the rules of perspective, nor do any rules at all. Fortunately, what cannot be described can be drawn. And the dark dimension was copiously illustrated by Steve Ditko in Strange Tales numbers 133 to 141. I love that there's a comic book reference in the prose of the script. That is cool. Yeah. But it's natural, too, because, like, literally Stan Lee is is co-writer on this. So, of course, like, of all scripts that are going to be written around this time, this would be the one to literally say, like, illustrated by this guy in this issue. Check it out. So, uh, Strange confronts Dormammu to get Tanya back, and Dormammu says, let's make a deal, and has him fight against Mordo, a demonic version of Mordo here. So, they make a bargain that if Strange defeats Mordo, he and Tanya can return to Earth basically safe and sound. But if Strange loses, then Dormammu can have their souls for eternity. Uh, Strange bargains, well, how about in either outcome, Tanya gets to go back home. And for some reason, Dormammu agrees, because he's got a trick up his own sleeve. So uh, we have a fight of Strange versus Mordo, sorcery against sorcery. Uh, Again, it's one of those things where I'm just like, I get it, it's bad sorcerer versus good sorcerer, but it would have just been, have more emotional impact if we had seen more of the relationship before things went bad at this point, you know, right. I think it would have had more emotional impact. Right. Uh, so we don't know much about Mordo, right? Did they yeah, cover really. much about him? He's just, he's just a bad guy that shows up, right? He's just a servant of Dormammu who used right. to be friends with strange, but they don't really cover. Like there's literally just one image that Dormammu conjures up of, of strange and Mordo back at Camertage learning from the ancient one. And that's about it. It's not really anything. Right. Right. You know, there's at least like when the Star Wars happened, there was clearly like some dialogue between the two that had a lot more of the history between Darth Vader and Kenobi, you know, you know, right. Uh, right. But here, it's not really that much of it in there, at least not that not anything that had as much of an impact. So Strange seems to be kicking Mordo's ass. And that's because we intercut with Dormammu inside of Strange's mind during this. And Dormammu is actually tempting him with how peaceful Earth could be if he controlled it, if he destroyed it and took it over. And so he's kind of allowing Strange to defeat Mordo and take Tanya back because he doesn't really care about Mordo or Tanya. He just wants Strange to work for him. So uh, he ends up showing him what this all would look like. And I think I'll have you say the lines as Dormammu where uh, oh, man. what he's going to say. And I will say Strange's lines in response. So here we go, Dormammu. Mankind is an abomination. He despoils everything he touches. His only instinct is to destroy. I know I'm evil, Strange, but you humans are worse than me because you won't face up to the truth. The human race is the most destructive force in the universe. And Strange's eloquent reply to this is... 
Bullshit, Dormammu. Your head's been on fire so long you fried your brains. <laughs> Maybe not the best line. You fried your brains. <laughs> For strange to say, I don't really picture Benedict Cumberbatch saying this, but. Right, right, right. <laughs> this is how they wrote it in 1990. This was a Stan Lee line right here. <laughs> this feels like it is. It is, yeah. 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 <laughs> I can see him there sitting there with his sunglasses on, smoking a cigar, <laughs> being like. He says he fried his brains. Did Stanley ever take off those goddamn sunglasses? <laughs> now that you mention it, I don't think I've ever seen him take them off. But I, they might be prescription. They're probably prescription, they're I guess. Prescription. Yeah, yeah, the I um, so. the ones that change from uh, regular sunglasses to uh, to regular glasses from yeah. two sunglasses mm. might be one of those deals. But still, yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah, that's his that's his his look. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, the the actual reply. I mean, that is the reply. But later on, Strange brings up that there is quote a spark, faint though it may be, a gleaming spark of divinity glowing within each of us. So hmm. the Strange believing in mankind, believing in humanity, which is you know cool. But also, I kind of wish there was a lot more character work that led to that. You know, maybe yeah. Strange was a lot more pessimistic beforehand and sort of realized the value of humanity. That type of stuff. You know, right, right, right. It's not really there. So. Uh, Strange ends up defeating Mordo in the combat, and Dormammu tells basically tells Strange, finish him. And um, Strange refuses to kill, naturally. This is pre Mortal Kombat, because Mortal Kombat came out in 92, <laughs> I believe, 91, 92. Oh, so. yes, that does come back. Uh, yeah, that does show up later. Uh, so Dormammu lets Strange <clears throat> and Tanya go here, but he has one more trick up his sleeve when he sends Moloch, the destroyer, the last demon, after them. But this time, it's Tanya who turns around and stops the demon herself. Summoning the power of Nefertiti, the Sorcerer Queen. Her energy meets Moloch's and everything explodes in white light. It's pretty badass. Yeah. So for those listening in, you might be wondering, okay, who the hell is Tanya supposed to be? Well, she seems Nefertiti to have man? Well, yeah, she's supposed to be Nefertiti in the script, <laughs> but I'm just like, like there's, there's any comic book connection? Because remember, this is Dan Leco writing this, so I would expect right. him to... I wouldn't expect him to just, you know, let's create some bullshit for this. Like, let's actually draw from the <laughs> comics that he wrote decades ago. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she does have elements of the character Clea, who is Strange's love interest in the comics, who has magical powers herself. But she's never called this in the script. I think uh, pretty much they were saying that maybe she's based off of that, but they kind of went in their own direction of it. So that's kind of who, that's kind of my theory on that. But I could not find a Tanya Anders in the, uh, in Marvel Comics. I guess it would have to be Clea, right? Yeah, I think so. Or some, you know, a version of her. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. But you would think they would just have her go by Clea rather than Tanya, but whatever. I've read The Oath. Uh, mm. That's probably the only Doctor Strange comic I've read, I think. That's um, the, yeah, that one was inspirational for a few sequences in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After the movie came out, I, I read that and maybe a couple more. I can't even remember at this point. But Clea is kind of a mainstay in the comics i believe but yeah. she just she's not in the mcu quite yet yeah and she's not technically in the script unless you count this as an adaptation yeah, of the character. yeah, yeah. so i think it's a little weird that she's been sort of uh kind of cut out so far uh mm -hmm. except with the exception of apparently she's in the 1970s doctor strange uh pilot type of thing which is natural uh i haven't seen that maybe it'll hit disney plus i know it's going to be released on blu-ray soon i heard so, it was hopefully kind of okay for what it is <laughs> that's good you know? know it's not yeah. it's, of course it's not the best thing in the world <laughs> but you know what i mean it's like it's yeah. it's like you you watch it I, this is what i've heard anyway i, I haven't mm -hmm. seen it myself but it the impression i got was you watch it and then you and you say all right <laughs> you know right. like that's basically basically right, the uh, idea yeah 
Yeah. So Strange and Tanya find themselves in between dimensions, and that's when the spirit of the Ancient One arrives, bringing up that Tanya knows who she is now. She is the spirit of Nefertiti. However, that means that she cannot return to Earth. And so Tanya thanks Strange for helping her realize who she is. And she kisses him and tells him that she'll see him, quote, sooner than you think. And then she disappears, leaving Strange alone and somewhat heartbroken because he was in love with her, apparently. Uh, I feel like that relationship's a little underdeveloped in this script. Yeah, they kind of um, (laughs) take out the Oprah scene again and just (laughs) add something in there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) at home alone, Strange plays the Link Ray record that Tanya got for him, and then the electricity goes out because apparently he hasn't paid it. Link Ray is so random, I feel like. Like, That just makes... I'm trying to place it like... (laughs) Surf culture did use a lot of drugs, you know, but I mean, people in surf Hendrick culture, something, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Well, you know what? They, he's writing a budget again. They they knew they couldn't oh, get those. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? They couldn't get those rights. So, but I mean, there probably would have been other bands that they could have gotten I, yeah. at link rate. That's just like the, the, <laughs> the screenwriter just, just likes that band. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's Alex Cox probably. So yeah. uh, Strange is depressed, alone in the dark, with this record that won't play. However, he sees in the light that on the record, the cover, there's a message scrawled in lipstick that says, sooner than you think, the last words that Tanya said. So clearly, she will return in some way. And so Strange relaxes and uses magic to play the rest of the Link Ray record to make use of the rights that they had to buy for this. And <laughs> that's the end of the script. Wow. So what do you think of... Doctor Strange 1990 compared to 2016 Doctor Strange. I mean, the 2016 one is a lot better. <laughs> yes, it is. But, <laughs> you know, rating on a, a curve, you know, grading mm-hmm. on a curve, it's yeah, it's okay. I mean, this is, it could have been much, much worse. That's um, true, yeah. Take out the Oprah thing, maybe change the setting for the Native American stuff. I don't know. I just... No offense to Native Americans, but I just I just feel like it's a little bit out of. It gets really messy. It turns into like a road trip movie in yeah. the middle there. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. Like he's Doctor Strange. Why are we taking a train for one? Does he can he like <laughs> teleport? You know, yeah, exactly. It just doesn't make any sense. It's, he already knows magic. We've we've you know we've uh, confirmed this isn't a um, an origin story. He knows how to do it. So why are we not just teleporting places? But yeah, anyway, no portals. Yeah, you know? yeah, you, yeah. The portals like they always do the MCU. So. That was a bit off to me, but that being said, I don't know. There's a lot of good beats in this. Mm-hmm. They need they need to develop um, uh, Byron Byron's Mordo, yeah. yeah Byron Mordo's um, motivation, right? Do you think? Yeah, because they don't really go into why he decided to go from working with the Ancient One to working with Dormammu. Though to be fair, right. I don't know how well that's covered in the comics. Let us know in the comments because I haven't, I haven't read the, the ones of Mordo in it, but uh, like that could be a case where it wasn't really, there wasn't much in the comics anyway. So they were kind of just like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's just uh, right. Let's just uh, stick to what was in there for the 1960s and not really developing more of it. But yeah, I, I, I agree. It could have been developed a lot more when it came to the villain. What is Dr. Strange's character arc in this? Is there one? It doesn't, it doesn't feel like that, which is another thing, you know, like, like, again, if it was a case where he was a lot more pessimistic and just hates mankind and doesn't really think that they're worth saving, he does what he can just because that's what he's trained to do, but he doesn't really believe in it. And then 
his love for this woman leads him to actually believe in humanity. And so at the end, when Dormammu is tempting him, we can understand why that's tempting for him, why he would want that, why Dormammu thinks that was going to work. And uh, that's would make the basically the ending a lot more powerful when he says, you know, there's a glimmer of hope for all of us, that type of thing. There's a glimmer right. of good. Like, I, I feel like it's it would be a lot more powerful if the story is about like a guy who's a lot more cynical at first, doesn't believe in that hope and then sort of gains that uh, to the point that when he's tested at the end, he steps up to the plate. And, and that's when he really becomes the true successor to the ancient one, the true sorcerer supreme and that. But in saying all that, I think I'm describing a better movie than what's in the script. Yes, yeah, you are. So <laughs> so he's, yeah, that'd be interesting. If he goes from skeptical of humanity to believer, because we can kind of assume that he went from skeptical doctor in, you know, uh, you know, didn't believe in anything magical to becoming the Sorcerer Supreme. This kind of happened like before this script, I guess. Mm-hmm. So he's already made a similar, you know, internal discovery or whatever. He's already had that arc, I guess. Yeah. And why wouldn't he apply that to what you're talking about? But, you <clears> know, <throat> people are contradictory. People, um, they're, you know, it's kind of, even though it seems contradictory, it, it still kind of would make sense for this movie. And yeah. you could wrap it up with, um, you know, him, him uh, coming to terms with accepting humanity or whatever via his um, character arc that's <laughs> intertwined with Clea, right? Or uh, whatever yeah. her name is, Tanya. Yeah, Tanya. So, if, yeah, you, if you develop that um, love story, whatever you want to call it, a little more their relationship more you kind yeah. of um what you call it you uh kill two birds with one stone basically mm-hmm. so uh yeah yeah we could have uh you should have you should have been there man but you were what uh five <laughs> at the time i was even younger than that yeah you were yeah <laughs> i was i was um i was two you so were two i, I was, couldn't have really uh, done much in 89 i was i was four hours i was five actually <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was, I was too when the second draft was written, so <laughs> okay. couldn't have done much. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's not nearly as good as the 2016 Strange. I kind of, I feel like this is like a nice introduction to the character, and if it had really great art direction, it could have been like just like how we see Batman '89 as like the king of like the art direction or stuff. Maybe that that could have been it for you know Doctor Strange '89. Maybe it's not necessarily the deepest characterization of anybody. Uh, or has the strongest story, but it does have the dopest like art direction of all this. I if totally it would have gotten that. that budget, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the times, the Marvel stuff. I mean, I mean, pre two thousand eight. I mean, Marvel movies were, you know, there was a time where DC had Superman and Batman, mm-hmm. like the two kings. Yeah, Marvel didn't have a whole lot. You know, mm-hmm. they they made X Men in the year two thousand. Well, I guess Blade ninety eight, but yeah, still didn't seem like it was. You know, it was nothing like now. Yeah, most people nothing didn't really like recognize now. Blade as like a comic book movie. They just thought, oh, it's a cool Wesley Snipe vampire thing. They didn't. Oh, dude, I saw associated with the uh, comics. I saw that movie so so many times. I loved <laughs> I loved Blade. I <laughs> I had absolutely no fucking clue it was a comic book movie for the longest <laughs> time, man. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly, exactly. And I I would expect other audiences in ninety eight, ninety nine felt the same way about it. Hmm. So uh, a little bit about the project and why it didn't. I don't really have a lot of information on why it didn't take off. I imagine budget was like big thing. You know, like this is definitely extremely expensive. Um, But 
apparently, in terms of casting, uh, American Zotrop was considering none other than Nicolas Cage for the role Hell of Doctor Strange. Oh yeah. This, this would have been, be- <laughs> been kind of good, actually. <laughs> this is years before he's considered to be Superman for Tim Burton, Scarecrow for Joel Schumacher's Batman Unchained, or Egghead, as he wants to be for the oh, Matt yeah. Batman. Let him and, do it, yeah. Reeves. Just let him yes. do it. <laughs> uh, and of course he was also ghost writer and big daddy and kick ass but anyway right uh cox says that cage and his uncle who is francis Ford coppola apparently they didn't get along well at the time so it would have been tricky for american zotrope to work with cage even though they wanted him for the role of strange so uh that's kind of a shame in terms of how to handle the effects cox said that they were thinking of phil tippett for visual effects. Phil Tippett is a legend mm. uh, who worked on the Star Wars, the original trilogy, Jurassic Park, RoboCop. Um, I'm not sure if they were thinking of him as a director or just doing the effects because he also directs, but uh, I don't know. But I'm, I'm kind of imagining that quality level of effects on Doctor Strange in 1990 and how that could have really been cool. Definitely. Yeah, that's that's he was he was like the number one at this. Yeah. 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 Uh, Alex Cox did see the 2016 film and described the final film as, quote, a thin medical drama, which oh doesn't really seem accurate of a description. You could maybe argue about thin if you wanted to, but of like medical drama, <laughs> like, yeah, there's there are scenes in the hospitals because he's a doctor. So, yeah, I don't get that at all. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, we didn't get Doctor Strange in 1990. Instead, we got Dr. Mordred, Master <laughs> of the Unknown, which is what you told me about this morning. I had yes. no idea until you brought it up. Learned so. it from that podcast again, Wizard <laughs> and the Bruiser. But I have not seen this yet, but this looks kind of cool. And they did say it was like pretty good for what it is. Yeah, yeah. So maybe this is the closest that we would get. This is a 1992 film starring Jeffrey Combs. Originally meant to be a Doctor Strange film, as I've read, but they lost the rights, so they had to change all the names. He's now Doctor <laughs> Mordred instead of Doctor Strange. And I got to say, because I read the, the summary on Wiki, and assuming that summary is correct, it seems a little similar to what I read in the script so yeah both skip the origin it's already a dr strange or dr mordred who is uh you know already being on earth to stop the villain from coming to earth and uh, both feature the strange character being framed for murder and wanted by the police uh both have a civilian love interest both feature endings where a character leaves our dimension and crosses over to the other side leaving behind the love interest um but a hint about them reuniting again as well as, uh, I would got to say, Dr. Mordred, I also read, maybe this inspired what I said earlier, Dr. Mordred, part of it is him sort of regaining faith in, in Earth and humanity as well as part of his wow, arc. So he so, has the arc. So maybe this is just a better version of what we read. Uh, the script is credited to C. Courtney Joyer, does not have any credits for Alex Cox or Stan Lee. So it's possible these are coincidences and completely different projects that just happen to have similar beats in there because it's just like, well... If you're going to do an origin, if you're going to do a Doctor Strange movie that skips the origin, it makes sense that it would be about trying to prevent Dormammu, like you would bring in all the different elements. And it, uh, the part about them both being framed for murder in the middle of the movie, though, is, is kind of too much of a coincidence for me, though. But oh, I don't yeah, know. They, they, maybe they shared scripts. I don't know. Yeah. And they yeah. just base it heavily off, off of that, off of that one. But, uh, yeah, apparently they wanted to make it and they just lost the rights or something. They're like, well, we're still going to make it. And they just changed yeah. the names and, you know, not much else. <laughs> Seems like. Yeah, which is which is cool. I think uh, there's that there's that kind of urban legend that Sam Raimi couldn't get the, the shadow rights. So he made Darkman instead. But obviously he, he did a lot more to make that different from the shadow. 
mm-hmm. uh, at that point. So this one just seems like, eh, just uh, control F and find the word strange, replace it with Mordred and yes, uh, yes. You know, do it with the rest of the rest of the names here. We should uh, watch this movie at some point, actually. Let's do an upcoming Patreon on it. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm glad we got what we got in the 2016 one. We're looking forward to Multiverse of Madness. We'll we'll have seen it by the time this this basically premieres, and we'll discuss it on the Patreon. I guess mm-hmm. along with Doctor Mordred, Master of the Unknown. At yes. this point. <laughs> we'll make this Doctor Strange month on yes. the, the Patreon. But until then, that is superhero stuff you should know. Yes. All right. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> so I want to say as usual, big thanks to our research assistant, Dan, for putting together the visuals on this. Uh, and uh, we have in our post credits, our listeners know that last week we did an episode for the museum of Latin American art on the insane Filipino Batman films. Now we were asked to keep everything family friendly. As we talked about earlier, we couldn't swear. But since we're back to our main show, we can reveal one other tidbit that we could not before. There was no way for me to reveal this in a family-friendly way. So, Alias Batman and Robin, the 1991 film, features Panchito, as pictured here, as a version of Penguin named Teal Penguin, meaning Uncle Penguin, of course. But in Tagalog, this is double entendre for blowjob. Okay. So basically, the Penguin of this film is going by the name Blowjob. I could not find a family-friendly way you to uh, to share that in the episode without the museum being like uh we should probably cut that even if i was very very like you know tried to keep very fill in the blank i was like uh there's no way so there was that and then also dan brought up we had to cut out cut out something that was also another pun in uh tagalog which is uh one of the titles of the movies that we described was the uh, the robo rats and borat apparently means dick to Gog. so <laughs> that's what it was uh but on to the fan comments here so uh basically we have an email from paul g here saying hi guys i've just read that the cw is canceling the batwoman series i didn't watch the series but i am aware of the issues of the original actor ruby rose and the recasting of the main character i also just read that batwoman first appeared in dc comics 233 1956 and had her own sidekick batgirl with the hyphen before that character later became Batgirl without the hyphen as Barbara Gordon. Uh, and they were to be love interests for Batman and Robin. I was wondering if you guys could cover the series and its comic origins and how it evolved and how accurate the series is to the comics. I know you have mentioned it in other episodes, but this was an unknown character for me before the series started. Is the series worth watching? Keep up the great episodes. I've recently had to switch to watching you on YouTube because of all the unused designs you've been including, which have been awesome. Cheers, guys. Paul G. Uh, thank you, Paul. For this, uh, a Batwoman deep dive would be pretty extensive. We we've kind of shied away from full on TV deep dive simply because, I mean, we're talking about three seasons in this case uh, of a TV show with a lot of like Easter eggs and things like that. There would be a lot for that, so we'll figure out some way to cover that. But I, I have uh, I have some preliminary notes on stuff like that. Uh, if you are interested in seeing. I guess the sole live action interpretations of certain characters, then uh, definitely check those out. Nocturna's in it. The Joker's daughter's in it. Uh, Hush, they actually do the whole Hush thing with the bandages and uh, him disguising himself as Bruce Wayne. That type of stuff is in there. So check that out if you want to. 
uh, I would say the main standout is Rachel Scarston as the villain Alice in all three seasons. So okay, uh, check that out. But thank you, Paul, for that. Thank you. Uh, and then uh, on to another one. We asked whose favorite Batman movie is Batman and Robin, and we got a fantastic comment from someone who said it was their favorite movie. So this is from Zamazian XOXO. My favorite movie of all time is Batman and Robin. Not ironically either. LOL. I love it. To give an honest explanation as to why, I love camp, the costumes, the sets, the dialogue. It all feels like some strange multi-million dollar Broadway show. I'm a huge believer in fictional characters like Batman, Superman, etc. being changed up and done in different styles since they're not real people, you know. They should be open to interpretation in my opinion, so I just love how out there this one is. 60s camp mixed with 90s edge. I just adore it. And on a more personal note, I'm gay, and this movie has a huge following in the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, gay director, lavish costumes, the homoerotic tension between Batman and Robin, Uma's very drag-inspired interpretation of Ivy that reveals scene at a charity event is basically a drag performance with the gorilla. Right. Uh, the colorful style, just everything screams gay, LOL. It holds a special place in my heart. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of that Batman and Robin dialogue in this draft was cut because the studio said it was a little too gay, LOL. Like, too on the nose. Uh... So, well, I think I might have fucked up the uh, the copy and paste. Open, open to interpretation. I think. Yeah, in my yeah, opinion. yeah. Uh, but I, I think I, I think. Whoops, I think that uh, that's just leftovers from the previous that I posted. Oh, yeah, so it's, okay. It's fuck up on the on the. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. says this was so fun to listen to. I thought I knew as much as there was to know about this movie. LMFAO. I've seen it probably a hundred times. That's way more than either of us, and done <laughs> such a deep dive on it. Thank you for this. So this person exists. Let it be known. And this <laughs> not the only one. I assume there's probably many more as well. Yeah, I think so. we had someone last week too. So uh, yeah, thank you for coming on. We were one of the few that uh, have such extensive coverage on Batman and Robin. Some people just do one video just to bash on it. But uh, you know, we've covered scripts. We've covered you know the the movie and given it a fair shake in terms of how it holds up as an interpretation on the mythos and that type of stuff. So. Glad that we are bringing in people who, uh, you know, have an appreciation for this, and you know, don't obviously aren't afraid to to speak that in, in a uh, in a fandom that's very so often quick to uh, point fingers at people having different opinions. I mean, you know, it's it also has just gotten to the point where bashing Batman and Robin is just kind of hack. Like we it's such a basic bat, yeah, yeah. <laughs> basic bat, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like yeah, okay, tell me something else. You know, we get it. We get, we get it, it. You know, you don't yeah, like yeah, Batman yeah. and Robin. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know. uh, but yeah, thank you for this. Uh, Oliver Emeralds had an epic comment saying there is a lot that made it to the toy line when it came to the 1996 Batman and Robin first draft we talked about. Here are the details. The Bat Club. Look at the Bane figure as we're pulling up here. The hand on the rod is the club. In the final script, Batman shoot launches the club at Bane. It looks like it has the capability. Okay. Uh, yeah, if we look at the the handle of the big axe thing he's got, that's a possibility uh, on that. Notice how this is a more comic book looking Bane than what we got in the movie. Too. Yes, much this more. Yeah. Skin. This is the Bane figure that I've got, and it's it's basically the comic book one. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, he should have looked just looked like this. Yes. Uh, the Bat Net Challengers of the Night Robin. Uh, the Challengers Challengers of the Night figure Robin has a net and a gun, but I guess it's the gun for the net. Uh, on this so that ties into the net being in the script uh then virtual helmet uh ice skate robin figure it is a dick it is a dick grayson figure with a weird helmet as you can see here which might be the virtual helmet he's talking about 
Uh, and in the final script and in the movie, Dick opens the door and sees Barbara. Hence, maybe quick change. <laughs> I think what Oliver means is is uh, Robin's in the Robin outfit doing the virtual training. And then the doorbell rings. And then he changes out of the Robin suit into Dick Grayson to answer the door. So maybe that's what he means by quick change. Uh, and then Ice Cutter by Bat Cycle feature in the script. The blades can peel to the sides on the bats, Batgirl Cycle toy. Okay. And then double-ended hook Bane, brawn versus brain pack. He lowers Freeze down into the Diamond Mart. So he's saying that this green wire thing that Bane has, it's like a cable, could be what uh, they envisioned him lowering Mr. Freeze in. Which, guys, if you have this Kenner setup with this Bane and Mr. Freeze, you can reenact what we described <laughs> in the 1996 script. It'll be the first Tag time. on Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, tag us there. Let us know on that. But that would be insane. Uh, and lastly, Black Suit, Poison Ivy, Night Hunter versus Evil Entrapment Figure, the other Ivy figure which features this suit. So uh, thank you, Oliver, for this. This is this is really cool. Now people can kind of envision, or if you have the toys, even actually reenact uh, sort of how this could have looked like with the script. I wish. Yeah, I guess they, got, they was... got the toy maker got this script, I guess, huh? Maybe, maybe it's looking uh, like that, right? It, yeah, <laughs> we're we're missing though. We are missing the Chris O'Donnell action figure where you remove the face to reveal George Clooney. <laughs> that's what that's, I, that, what, we that's need. what I want. That's the one <laughs> I want for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then you press a button, which is him talking about friendship. Perfect. We would have been in like full Adam West mode, or I don't know, like <laughs> it's a whole other level of cheese. And I think honestly, it would have been. It would have been probably hated at the time, but I think it would have it would have uh, you know gotten it would have uh, made that one eighty quicker to people liking it. Yeah, if it if it had had that scene, it would have become a cult classic, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Uh, all right, so I think that's it for the fan comments. Over to the shoutouts. Clutch controller. Get better control of your mobile gaming with its comfortable grip, directional pad analog sticks, and shoulder buttons. This versatile controller can fit a variety of phone widths and can also connect wirelessly for use on tablets and PCs. Learn more and pick one up online at HyperX and HP.com, Amazon, Micro Center, Target, Best Buy, and many other fine retailers. All right, everybody. That that clip was a. We'll have to fix that clip a little bit, but anyway, moving forward. <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, we want to thank everybody listed here in the visual. If you're just if you're just an aural listener, please take a look to the visual on YouTube, just to see these lovely people. Um, but we'll uh, point out specifically. Uh, let's go with um, the bottom line. We want to thank Daniel V, Pete B, Halsey C, Maurice D, Jonathan, Noel. Uh, Robert H and RD for being our, our Patreon, our Patreon, Patreones, uh, in addition to all the other people in the list here. And also we want to thank our other supporters listed here in the, in the visual. So thank you for that, everybody. We, um, couldn't do it without you. You know, it's, it's awesome. And, and the list is, is growing and growing. So I want to thank you for that. And, uh, please join the Shasta army at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. We have the $1 tier that gets you that shout out, be it visual or oral. And then um, we, get, we have the uh, $5 tier uh, that gets you a whole other show, the Patreon show. So this show is on every Monday that you're watching right now. And then uh, this 
other whole other show is on uh, Friday. So you're going to get us twice a week. You could just binge us and just pay five bucks and do the whole thing, which is fine. I'm sure people have done it before. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. Or um, you can keep it going and, uh, and do it that way. So there's that. We have the uh, monthly meetup show. Uh, that's our $10 tier. And um, with that, we have like a topic at hand, basically, and uh, or a few topics or whatever. And we um, discuss that, interact with people in a Zoom-like kind of call, uh, video call with with listeners. So, uh, yeah, you can uh, join us that way. And, of course, uh, if you have the $10 tier, you have the uh, $1 and $5 tier benefits. If you have the $5 tier, you have the $1 tier benefit as well. So there's that. Uh, we have our merch. We have uh, go to uh, superhousepod.redbubble.com or superhero stuff pod.threadless.com. If you know, to be honest with you guys, our sales haven't been good on these sites, <laughs> <laughs> haven't been what's known as good. So uh, if you like have a design you like want you know Zach to do or, or, or Steph in Santa Cruz from back in the day, and you want that. Uh, on a mug or a shirt or something just let us know uh and uh you know we'll see what we can do because you know it's been a while and i think we should kind of listen to our to our fan base our yeah. listener base mm-hmm. and uh yeah there <laughs> it just hasn't been selling that much man so <laughs> so there's that but yeah we ever you get the ben man indeed wizard and zacula mug shirt shower curtains and all that there um so yeah check that out <laughs> I think I think um yeah well we'll we'll work on it we'll work on it so anyway Thank you uh, to the one customer who bought stuff <laughs> yeah it's like one or two at this point <laughs> I mean that's just full disclosure at this point guys so you know we you know I, but our, our listeners are growing you know and you know it's it's just it is what it is so anyway um yeah we're the podcast some, business we're not in the, the clothes selling business clearly. I want to be slinging some mugs though you know some t-shirts <laughs> Sure, sure. So, yeah, I do think since we have like our metal bumpers and stuff, maybe we should make like a heavy metal band tee or something in our mm. in, uh, designed kind of tee for our show. But uh, uh, yeah, let us know what you think about that idea. That just came in my head just now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, send us some audio. Another thing, another call to action. Please uh, send us something. We get these a little bit from time to time, and sometimes we get a lot in one month, but. Still kind of slow on that end as well. So, yeah, superhousepodcast at gmail.com. Send us your audio there. Can be pretty much anything. Um, we had one where, um, you know, somebody uh, had the, the what they thought of Venom, the Venom 2 movie. So mm-hmm. uh, that was Alex. So, yeah, so yeah uh, even stuff like that's cool. You know, anything. Or just like, hey, guys, love the show. And then click end. You know, it could be something like that. So, uh Yeah. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf lives on YouTube. ThunderwolfDrew.com has my whole portfolio, be it video or photo or whatever. Uh, and then AmanoRecon.com. That's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. This poster here is by the great Zach, our still co-host, but he's on paternal leave. Uh, but yeah, this is an R-rated uh, Power Rangers meet Stranger Things idea. Uh, it is an original idea, though. Um I have, we have, we have actually shot the uh, campaign video for Indiegogo. Uh, it is still in the editing phase. We have a, I'm kind of happy with it. It's kind of like we've gotten what we wanted. You know, I'm, nice. I, I feel, I feel like pretty good about it. It still needs to be tweaked. It needs to be finessed. It's not ready for release yet. 
but uh, it's it's looking like kind of kind of good, I think. So, awesome. um, I mean, I think so anyway. It is kind of niche. Yeah, it is awesome. Thank you for that. It, it's kind of niche, but you know, I think it's great. I think it's good. So, um, yeah. Well, um, it's going to be an Indiegogo campaign at some point, and uh, I wish I had a date for for that, but. Um, we don't have that yet, but this this video that we shot, the video that I'm talking about, the video that I like, uh, it, it was it's going to be the video that sits at the top of our Indiegogo page. That's our pitch video. Okay, that's what that is, and um, then we have you know our whole you know written spiel under that um, Indiegogo like Kickstarter. But anyway, yeah, it's coming. It's still coming. Things looking good, and uh, that's it for me, Ben. Shout out to Common Capital on Instagram, as well as the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse. You can follow us on social media, Twitter, Superhouse Pod, Instagram, Superhero Stuff Pod, TikTok, Superhero Stuff Pod, Vero, Superhero Stuff Pod. You can follow my website, benwanrider.com, where you can also read my Gotham script, Gotham Vampire, where young Bruce faces off against the Mad Monk, as well as my script for Elementary called The Death of Sherlock Holmes, a modern update on The Adventure of the Dying Detective. And Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland. The Curb episode they could never make where Larry goes to Disneyland. Uh, my YouTube channel is in the, the description below where you can also check out Doctor Who, The Rodent of Time, where the Eighth Doctor meets Miyamoto Musashi. My personal Instagram is Ben Juan Ryder. My cat's Instagram is Alfie Pennyworth Cat. He shows up occasionally. If you uh, have your eyes peeled, uh, you can see him in the corner. But uh, if you have an Alfie or Peanut or any of the cats like the co-hosts, then get the whisker box, the only cat box of the crazy cat lady and gents. And we have a special promo link for that. And we also have a special promo link for Bark Box. Yes, the Bark Box, where you can give your dog exactly what they want. A promo link that we can provide that'll give you the first month off free, valued at $35. You won't want to miss that. And you can all basically get all this type of stuff at superhero stuffpod.com slash shop. Get your eBay stuff, get Bark Box, get Whisper for Days. Get Amazon shit, all type of stuff that you can get. <laughs> Amazon Finally, shit. To, to add to your collection while also helping us out a lot too. So that's pretty much what we got. Over to All you. right. And you know, there's our cue, guys. So oh, yes. <laughs> we want you to do us a favor of the universe. We want you to tell all your friends about us. And listen to the butt of Agamotto! Indeed! <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network.